This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off your order, go to awaytravel.com/fool and use the promo code fool. That's awaytravel.com/fool and use the promo code fool. From the South by Southwest podcast page in Austin, Texas, this is Market Foolery for Thursday, March 16th. I'm Chris Hale. Joining me up on the stage today, the host of Industry Focus, one of the hosts of Industry Focus, Dylan Lewis. Thanks for being here. Of course. Anyone listening to South by South by Week on Industry Focus has probably already heard you because you're doing you're doing not just double duty, you're doing triple duty, calling lot. calling back into the the different shows. Yeah, called in out. on called in on Monday. Talk with Gabby for financials. Talked in on Tuesday, Vince talking CG. Thankfully. Simon Erickson gave me a break, and he is going to talk on the healthcare and energy industrial shows on Wednesday and Thursday. Nice. Um, let's let's talk. Let's start with the trade show because um, you and I were here last year, and I had mentioned this uh, on yesterday's episode that, that we were going to talk about this. So, so therefore, I feel like we actually have to talk about it. Um, we were here last year. We got to see the whole setup at the uh, at the trade show. Going back this year, uh, one of the things that was the most striking to me was how much more virtual reality is on display here. Um, another thing uh, is just the huge presence of, of the international scene. But when, when you think about the trade show this year versus last year, what stands out to you? Yeah, I think the trade show in general is just an opportunity to see where the, the very early inklings and like kind of the emerging tech side of the conference really shows itself. You know, Because you have these startups that are investing um, in some more nascent spaces, and so you get a little bit more insight into what might be bubbling up in the future there. Uh, and to your point, yeah, I mean, a ton of virtual reality stuff. I think one of the things I noticed this year versus last year is uh, last year we were seeing a lot of what you'd expect in the consumer gaming and hardware space. And we've seen the investments this year be even kind of further beyond that. So continuing to incorporate the technology into really cool hardware setups, getting beyond just the headset, talking about you know sitting in rigs and having it be a simulated theme park ride, something like that. <clears throat> something else I noticed is uh, on the software side, we're seeing some people play around a little bit in like social VR and the idea of creating communities when you're in the VR systems. Um, I think that we have a ways to go in terms of consumer adoption before anything like that is really viable. But the fact that people are investing there is showing you at least kind of where they think the industry might be going and what people might be looking for as they start to consume content on these types of devices. Well, and we've even seen VR in venues outside the trade show. Um, there's a, a huge, uh, there's a separate house, the DC house, and, and Alexandria is a part of that as well. Um, there's a VR setup in there. Um, back at the trade show, you, uh, you've got a huge presence by Home Depot. And they're incorporating VR. And, and when you, it's one of those things that um, as an investor, I start to get a little bit more excited the more I see viable applications of virtual reality outside of gaming. Gaming's the easy one, that's the low hanging fruit. But when you think about the prospect of a massive retailer like a Home Depot and then probably even Lowe's on top of that, um, make probably making an investment in VR so that you go to a Home Depot, you go to a Lowe's, and now instead of just looking at paint colors, you can actually put on a headset and s start to visualize what your remodeled kitchen is going to look like, that sort of thing. Then it starts to get even more exciting. Yeah, I think when you see stuff like that happening, you're moving beyond just that core 
gaming niche of people that love the idea of more immersive experiences. And you're getting people that might not interact with the technology otherwise doing it. And you have businesses at massive scales investing. And so it just the, the dynamics of the industry change quite a bit once big time companies really get into play. All right, you've been doing, as I mentioned, triple duty on industry focus, but you've also been doing a lot of stuff for Fool.com uh, uh, in your editorial role, going to a lot of sessions, talking to a lot of people. What what um, are some of the things you've been hearing from the people that you've spoken with? Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to come on Foolery and just talk about some of the most interesting quotes I've heard so far at the conference and kind of use that as a launching point into some of the different topics that we want to explore. Um, the publicly traded companies are you know, pretty well represented here. We have some big names and a lot of ones that fools are very fond of. We have Disney, Facebook, and Netflix. They all had sessions that I attended. And so uh, to kick things off, I was at a session where a couple of Disney representatives were talking about what the company is doing with artificial intelligence and machine learning. And one of the quotes that I thought was really interesting was from Mike White. He said, when we do it right, you don't see the technology. You think about the story. And for as much as they were talking about what the company's doing and their investments in AI and in machine learning, ultimately, they are so focused on having the consistent experience with characters and the consistent Disney brand experience that um, they're never going to, to do anything to compromise that. What is his role at Disney? Uh, he works kind of on the consumer product side as it relates to uh, some of these emerging tech. It's interesting because you look at just how Disney breaks out their revenue and over the last five years or so, that consumer products line has grown pretty steadily um, as they have success at the movie studios uh, and then that sort of funnels down into toys, apparel, etc. Yeah, and he does work in interactive media for them as well. And um, you, know, you think about what AI and machine learning might look like for a company like this. And I think it's easy to go to like the crazy extreme of having people in theme parks interacting with AI-fueled you know, robot versions of the Beauty and the Beast characters or something like that. I think we need to pump the brakes and be like, that's not happening anytime soon. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, at least. Um, they showed off in the panel a couple of different uh, R&D projects that they're working on. One of them was an AI-fueled version of a character from the movie Tangled. Um, another one was more of just a concept project that they're calling Jake. And unfortunately, I, I'm just looking around, I can't find him anywhere. So I think this was kind of an exclusive look. Um, but what we saw really is they're super in the early innings with this stuff. And they are studying more how consumers and, and how people that might be at theme parks and things like that will interact with these machines and <clears throat> see what they can do to tinker with them and make them more representative of the experience that they think consumers should be having. All right, what'd you hear from Amazon? <laughs> uh, nothing from Amazon. Oh, okay. <laughs> one of one of the, actually one of the disappointments to bring it back to the trade show, um, there were two companies that I was really excited to see stuff on, and both of them had their stuff down at the time. There was uh, a Facebook 360 video booth that was not active, so I'm excited to go back and check that out. And I believe Amazon had a drone setup that was not either not running at the time or not working at the time. They definitely have a big presence outside the convention centers, though, as they are really promoting their content, the man in the high castle, all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, that goes for pretty much any recent launch of, of any show or any movie anywhere. It's, it's, it's crazy just seeing all the movie posters, TV show plastered all over Austin right now. Yeah. I, it, one of the things when you when you come to South by Southwest um, and 
Austin, Texas, for a long time, the tagline for the city has been keep Austin weird. And I feel like if you walk around South by Southwest, it totally lives up to that. Not necessarily the city itself, but the, the companies that are here, because you just end up seeing weird stuff. Um, producer Dan Boyd, uh, Saturday morning, was up waiting in line for two hours to see uh, a premiere of the new Star series, American Gods. And behind the convention center, Stars has a setup outside, and that setup includes a 20-foot-tall white buffalo with eyes that glow and steam coming out of its mouth. And you just, you just have to get used to like, oh, yeah, that's, of course you're going to see that when you're just walking around to Austin. Well, and the thing is, there's like this arms race element to things here at South by Southwest, right? Because one company does something kind of interesting to show off that they've got a new show coming or that they've got this new technology they're investing in. And then to top that and to get eyeballs and, and attract attention, someone has to outdo it. And so you keep seeing people kind of up it every year. I remember last year that there was like a like fully immersive kind of like uh, amusement park set up for the show um, Mr. Robot. Yes, and it was huge, and it was right on a street corner, and it, and it had all the kind of basic renderings of the set. And um, you're seeing kind of kind of huge outlays to just get consumer attention from some of these TV shows and different media outlets. All right, who else are you talking to? Uh, one of the other interesting quotes I heard was from Kahina Van Dyke, and she works in consumer financial services, e-commerce, and payments at Facebook. And she said, uh, we offer P2P for free, but it does cost money. And what she means there is, we're offering free peer-to-peer -peer money transfers on our messenger platform, but it costs the company money. This is something that we're incurring. Um, and, and what this is really getting at is, yes, the company is expanding some of the functionality on the messenger platform, and you know, you're going to see this with WhatsApp too, um, and some of their other properties, but they don't view this as a money-making venture for them. This is something that they are looking at really just to build engagement on the platform. Um, and it's pretty consistent with what we've heard so far from management. Sheryl Sandberg in the past has talked about how these types of add-ons to their apps are really more at driving users to behavior that they want to reinforce and keep keeping people playing on the platform for as long as possible because they're serving up ads and that's really how they make their money. The idea that Facebook essentially becomes a personal bank should just strike fear in the heart of I think the entire banking industry. <laughs> well, that was something they touched on too. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to navigate if you want to get into real financial services and the infrastructure to support payments and transfers. And so for now, at least, this is, this is the line that we get from Facebook, they want to be a kind of enablement layer on top of the existing financial infrastructure. And that means kind of helping transactions that might not normally happen um, because people aren't banked or something like that. And, and really just kind of layering and, and leveraging uh, what exists already. Because you think about all of the compliance, regulatory, um, God, fraud management, all of the different things that go into being a true financial services company, it's so far afield from Facebook's core competency that right now they'd much rather just go on legacy infrastructure because it's so costly to lay that out. And, um, and also not upset the big financial firms too much and yeah. have it be a kind of cooperative thing rather than something that becomes a competitive pressure. All right. Give us one more quote. One more quote. Um, this was probably my favorite session that I attended. Um, it was about Netflix's A-B testing. And this is really kind of how they develop and iterate on their platform. And so Navin Eingar, who is a designer at Netflix, said, what we found over years of testing is that our intuition is generally wrong. 
and I, <laughs> which is exactly That's good. that means you're doing a good job of testing <laughs> right and and i think what that reinforces is even for a company that is wildly successful and has what i think is probably one of the most intuitive platforms for users it is so simple you know someone that's six can do it someone that's 60 can do it and it, it's fairly easy to navigate um there is a ton of thought that goes into that platform and designing it in a way that keeps people playing and keeps people engaged because that boosts satisfaction that boosts retention and it winds up attracting more users right if you talk about how great netflix is all of your friends who don't have it are probably going to give it a shot at some point. Um, but what I thought was funny about that quote is, you know, you can only design things so well in what, how you think people are going to act. And that's why this A-B testing environment that they use, and a lot of online companies do use, um, is so crucial. And just because you assume someone's going to act a certain way doesn't mean they actually will. I wonder if there, there are tests that Netflix has done where the outcomes are so wildly different from the expectation that people end up just getting like emotional and upset about it. It's got to happen. You know, so, so the way that this works is, um, you know, they have these different things that they want to try out, some different features, maybe some slightly different functionality to see if that might ease friction on the platform. And they will try out um, in very small groups these different variations and see how they compare to that control group, right? And... Uh, he ran through a couple different high-profile examples of things that might have surprised them or, or times where even consumers think they want a certain thing, but the reality is they don't. And, and one of the ones that I thought was most interesting was in addition to some of this testing work, they also do kind of more qualitative stuff. And they asked users and potential users, you know, what's something that you want to know more about Netflix before buying? And 46% said that they wanted to see the full catalog of TVs and movies that are available, right? Which makes sense. Um, and so, you know, they offered that as an option. They said, okay, you can scroll through. And they wound up seeing that buy rates were lower when they did that <laughs> than when they just offered people a free trial. And, you know, maybe teased one or two things and had it because they found that people were getting bogged down looking for specific titles. And ultimately what drove people to try the service and stay with the service was a free trial. It wasn't being able to see the catalog from the get-go. And so not only do you have times where the design team and the testing team at this company don't have a total finger on the pulse of what's going on, but I think consumers sometimes don't. And, that, and that's why this approach is so important and why I love hearing that they're doing it. It's great because, uh, to your last point, consumers have a very long history of not knowing what they actually want. It's the classic Henry Ford quote from Ford Motor where he says, if I had asked my customers what they wanted, they would have told me, I want a faster horse. Like, nobody knows that, you know, and, and Steve Jobs talked about that with the iPad, where when, you know, the reaction to the iPad was, was I mean, it was sort of positive, but it was somewhat mixed. And, uh, and, and Jobs was pretty upfront about the fact, like, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to do this and because people aren't imagining this type of tablet, and so we're going to give it to them. Yeah, anytime you're doing anything truly revolutionary, it is you know, often a step change from what is currently available, and people's imaginations can't quite handle that. But I think also people just only have so much insight into how they actually act and think. There's always that disconnect there. Um, so that was one of the cooler sessions that I attended, one that I really enjoyed kind of getting to see behind the scenes on what they do on that platform. Speaking of truly revolutionary, you've got to say a word about Away. Away luggage. Away has sponsored South by Southwest uh, for us uh, our whole week here at Market Foolery and Industry Focus. And uh, Away makes affordable, high-quality suitcases that charge your phone 
I charge your phone, and they start at just $225. We both had this experience. We both had layovers when we were coming here. You were in St. Louis. I was in Dallas. I know I loved my layover experience in Dallas because I was sitting at a bar. I was able to charge my phone. There were no other plugs around, and the dudes on either side of me were just sort of muttering to themselves about their phones dying. And I, you know, maybe I could have I said, oh, I, I got this. You can, you can borrow my suitcase to charge your phone, but I just thought, no. So you didn't share the love. I didn't share. <laughs> I didn't share the love because you know what? I wanted to charge my phone. Wow. Well, my layover was not an anticipated layover. Uh, this was <laughs> something. Oh, that's that was, right. That was a byproduct of the engine on the plane that we were flying in um, not working. Once we pulled out of St. Louis with some new passengers, and so um, knowing that I was going to be in the airport for a while, and knowing that I'd already listened to about four hours of podcasts and messed around on my phone on the flight, and knowing that we're probably going to be hanging out for a while, and you know, have another hour and a half flight to go. Uh, I certainly made use of, of the charging port with Away and uh, was pretty happy that I did because I was able to listen to stuff the entire ride and kind of mute some of that frustration that I had with the airline. Yeah. Uh, away luggage comes with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. They've got a risk-free 100-day 100 uh, trial period. So if at any point you decide it's not for you, you just return it for a full refund. And again, it come, this is luggage that comes with two USB ports and a battery that allows you to charge your phone, your tablet, laptop, whatever. You never have to fight for an outlet at the airport, or in my case, at the airport bar. Uh, free shipping anywhere in the continental United States. And for our dozens of listeners, a special offer. You get $20 off when you go to awaytravel.com fool and use the promo code fool at checkout. That's awaytravel.com fool, promo code fool. Um, what are you going to be doing? Give me a sneak preview of Industry Focus on Friday. Well, so the week of industry focus shows so far have all been kind of dispatches from South by Southwest. It's been me or Simon Erickson calling in and chatting about some of the stuff we're seeing. I think Friday's show for tech is going to be an interview with George Hotz, who uh, is with Comma AI. It's an early uh, self-driving car company, and they're working on kind of the software that powers a lot of self-driving car systems. And um, he is a very interesting guy really, really wants to unseat some of the people that are currently in the self-driving car space and are very entrenched and um, super animated. So I'm really interested in kind of getting that out to listeners. That will either be Friday's show or it will be posted as a bonus episode for the weekend or something like that. A sneak preview for Motley Fool Money this weekend. I got the chance to sit down with Julia Borston from CNBC, um, get her take on South by Southwest. Um, had a great conversation uh, that includes... Uh, not just sort of the the scene at South by Southwest, but also VR, the movie industry, uh, and some pretty interesting thoughts on the future of Bob Iger at the Walt Disney Company. So that's Motley Fool Money this weekend. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, first, uh, a couple of thank yous. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who came out to Guero's Taco Bar the other night. That was awesome. That was fantastic. Thank you to Rob, the owner, who's owned Guero's for 31 years. He was such a wonderful, gracious host. Uh, for us and our, our merry band of, of full listeners and members. Um, and you know what? If you're, if you're in the Austin area, go to Guero's Taco Bar on South Congress. That I, and I said this to Rob, this is, this is what I, I want a taco bar to be. Like, it's just open. It's a little bit loud. The food is amazing. The, the hospitality is fantastic. And uh, everyone was great. And thank you to the people who came out. Chris, Aaron... Tommy, Graham, John, like we, we had such a great time talking to all the listeners who came. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that as, as someone that works on a podcast. You know, it's, it's meeting the people that listen to it, um, 
hearing what they have to say about it and, and what questions they have and, and just generally talking about when they listen to it and, and what's going on in their lives, right? And why they're in Austin. Because so, some of them were visiting, hanging out at South by Southwest for their own business purposes, right? Some were doing that. Others were people who've lived here for, in some cases, decades or, you know, some people who came here to go to school and just ended up staying. I mean, it's, it's, always, it's always interesting to hear sort of people's stories in terms of how they ended up someplace and what they're doing. And some really interesting, really interesting work being done um, by the people uh, we got to meet the and, other night. And we got some cool color on Austin, too, I think. Some some nice recommendations and yeah. kind of some cool city history, which was a treat for me, I know. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to TuneIn for sponsoring the podcast stage. We've talked every once in a great while about um, uh, the Amazon Echo and sort of how you can listen to full podcasts on that. That's all powered by TuneIn. So we love TuneIn, and we, we love the fact that they sponsored the podcast stage. It's been such a great week. Um, and finally, thank you to, uh, to South by Southwest, Peter Lewis, who heads up Interactive. Peter's the reason we came last year uh, and the reason we came back. Uh, Amy Wonky and Ashley Binks, who were incredibly helpful in, in terms of setting this up and were very patient with me with all of my questions via email over the last few weeks. Uh, Caleb, for running the tech in the room. Uh, and last but not least, Elizabeth Sproul, who's our on-site manager and who's been amazing. So uh, thank you to everyone at South by Southwest. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Can, can we thank Dan Boyd, too? we got to thank Dan Boyd, the hardest working man in, in the podcast radio business, hustling all over Austin, Texas, and also hustling with equipment on his back. In the rain. With the portable, yes, in the rain with the portable studio on his back. So thank you, Dan Boyd. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the aforementioned DJ Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in the studio next Monday. <laughs>